Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. And welcome to episode 572 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? When it rains, it pours, Todd. And I don't mean about the flooding that we've had in the northeastern Pennsylvania area. Right, right. Uh, but it's been a busy week. Yeah, lots lots of to-doings transpiring, Joe. <laughs> Is it to-doings or doings? I always thought it was to-doings. And I always thought it was doings. Uh, there's doings to be transpiring, boy. Uh, we'll look it up, uh, but after the show, I guess. After the show, that's right. We need to get this done in record time. It's a, it's not going to be a short show. What? I think it's going to be a slender read of a show, Joe. No, so what I was referring to, of course, was when it rains, it pours when it comes to news. Oh, news. Well, this is what we have in news, Joe. Unfortunate news about Halloween Comics Fest. Updates on both Action Lab and jo- the Joe Bennett situation. A favorite creator of ours returns to DC. Oof. And uh, sad news that I wish was a mirage, Joe. Um, also, the return of grading on you. Um, conventions. Digital sales. What we read last week, which was the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton number four. And ni- Nice House on the Lake number four. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues, um, Todd's art attack, and finally, spoiler-filled talk of the latest episode of Stargirl and the premiere of Why the Last Man. More on that later. Oh, okay. Yeah. They they pulled a ruse on us with that, but maybe a, a good ruse, but not good for us conducively. Right, right. So, uh, as Todd mentioned... Uh, there will be no Halloween Comic Fest, aka Fake Free Comic Book Day. I wasn't going to. What? I wasn't going to use. I wasn't going to use the derogatory phrase for the name, but no, okay. it's okay. Aka the uh, Free Comic Book Day that I invented and get no okay. credit for. Um, I had a feeling this was going to happen when they moved regular free comic book day back to like so late in the year into August, you know? Right. And then you'd be doubling up almost. Yeah. Even though there was stuff solicited for like 2019 and 2020 that never came out, that is probably sitting in a warehouse somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. but I get it. It's still a bummer. Um, you know, who knows what Halloween's even going to look like this year. Right. Lots of masks. I bet. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I I get it. Because you don't know, like, a lot of comic shops weren't even keen on having the free comic book day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Right. It makes sense, but it's still a bummer. Because I was, like, getting that free shirt from uh, Diamond. <laughs> there you go. I'll have to check to see if I'm still getting the free shirt, you know? Right. Don't you just get two and stitch them together? No. Actually, uh, shirts are okay. Shirts I'm good. With, like, jackets and things like that, we got to get multiples and sew them together. Right, fat guy in a little coat. Yeah. Working on my Halloween costume this year to see how that's going to work out. Oh, okay. Can't wait to see what that is. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, announced this week, the December solicitations are not out yet, but tease, 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 
Uh, Jason Aaron is returning to Conan at Marvel this year, doing a six-issue miniseries, King Conan, uh, with Muhammad Asar, who he's worked with quite a bit on other things, Avengers and previous Conan stuff. Uh, yay, it's Jason Aaron doing Conan. I'm sure it'll be really good. Yeah, I, th- I think it will be too. And I guess, like he was saying, that uh, it takes off, like, you know, from what he finished, the King Conan story and his uh, original Conan run there for Marvel. So may- maybe it'll all tie together. And if Jason, you know, Jason Aaron will probably be the one to do it. But I'll, I'll read it. Jason doing a big barbarian. It's all for me. Yep. And sadly, when he left the Conan book, I left the Conan book. Yeah. So and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's certain, we, we talk, if you listen uh, in the correct listening order hmm. on After Dark, sometimes when there's a character that I don't really have any sort of attachment to, but then a creator I like comes on, I'm going to gravitate and pick that book up. Right. And then, even though I enjoyed that creator's take on that character, when that creator leaves, I'm probably going to wait until that creator comes back to that character. Right. Uh, and then there are certain characters like Hawkeye, where any Hawkeye series that comes out, I'll get. You know, yeah. I don't even know or care who the creative team is on it. It's like, I like Hawkeye, I like Cliff Barton, so I'll check out his books all the time. Uh, I'm going to go into business for myself right now. Did you see the Hawkeye trailer? Nope. I don't okay. need to watch it. Can I, I'm just going to say one thing about it, and it's not a spoiler much of like or anything like that. Found out that it takes place around Christmas time. So I'm all in, Joe. Christmas time in New York City. Oh, yep. So, you know, Christmas and comic book stuff, those are two of my favorite things. Yeah. We don't have a weekly purchase segment on this show. (laughs) Let's not infiltrate this show with that. Somebody told me if I want one, I just have to go into business for myself. (laughs) Do you want to talk about the Christmas thing that you bought this week? (laughs) Yes, I do. I bought the... uh, the promo uh, direct decorations they sent to retailers for the Lobo paramilitary Christmas special. And it was fantastic. Two little uh, happy, uh, with, I think, frag in Christmas and holidays. And then there's a, uh, a stockings with both the comic in it, feet, knives, chains, blood. Fantastic. And if I had known the guy had extras, I would have bought two or three maybe so I could actually pop them out and hang them around my house at Christmas. But he only had one for sale. And then what's the word I'm looking for? He was like, I see that like uh, uh, he has another one up. He's like, I have you know same price or whatever. I was like, I would have saved on shipping. So it's fantastic. That's weird that the guy didn't have the multiple. So it's weird that the guy didn't have the multiples up at once. Mm-hmm. He waited until one was sold and then put another one up. And it's also odd that this guy has multiples of a retailer exclusive that's 30 years old, unpunched, just like laying around his house. Yeah, well, good for him because I originally had them, but punched. So, yeah, and now they're, they disappeared. So, but now I have this one and I'm a happy man. Mm-hmm. Speaking of favorite creators, uh, so I guess... Was it uh, Brian Hitch teased uh, on some of the stuff that he's working on here in the upcoming weeks and months? Mm -hmm. Uh, He had mentioned that he's doing a creator-owned book with Jeff Johns um, called Redcoat. 
He's doing the new Venom book uh, when that gets relaunched by Al Ewing and Ram V. And then just like casually throws out like, oh, yeah, I'm doing a, I'm also doing a black label book with uh, Mark Wade at DC about Superman. Yeah, like like and there's so much to unwrap there, Joe. Uh, yeah, because listen, I, I you know I've been I enjoyed Geiger. I think it just wrapped up. We have the eighty page giant that's coming out in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where this red coat book is gonna like spin out of. Um, I like Venom. Uh, Brian Hitch was maybe like fifth on the list of selling points for the book. Right. Uh, for me. Uh, you know Al Ewing's good. Ram V's good. Venom's good. Chains are good. Hmm. Uh, but. Mark Wade working with DC again, huh? Yep, I guess because like they said, like video's gone and Paul Levitz is gone, and all the po- like the political stuff behind the scenes when he wanted Superman and all that stuff, and but that's gone. So like he he's there. He actually did. I forget what it was. He did a short story in something uh, a little while back. It wasn't the Flash 80th anniversary. It was something else. And I was like, oh, Mark Wade did a did a quick story for DC. I was like, that's cool. Maybe that's the inroad to get him back. And now he's doing a Superman book. But the other thing that I have to unwrap is that it's a Superman black label book. Uh Uh-huh. So now is that going to be just, okay, it's out of continuity, which is fine because I'm reading a lot of the other black label out of continuity books, or is it going to be a dark uh, adult Superman. Then we get to see like like back when Batman Damned came out and we, we saw something. Will we see Superman's Fortress of Solitude in this one, Joe? Do we think that that's something that Mark Wade's gonna do? He's kind of sort of, um, yeah. you know, the the guy who carries the torch for Superman should be this way and that way and so forth. He kind of publicly decried the way that Superman was handled in the. Uh, the the recent DC movies, you know? Do you remember what he actually said? It was like, I was watching the Man of Steel and and, uh, and Superman snaps Zod's neck and I heard someone stand up and say, no, out loud. And then I really realized it was me. He was like, <laughs> like yeah, not a body experience. And I believe Mark Wade did that. So yeah, I, I don't see that being... You know, I don't see him murdering Parasite or anything like that. So No? No. But I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it, too. Absolutely. Um, and I'm trying to look to see what this thing that he did at DC was recently. Because I think the last thing that he did was maybe, like, Legion? Yeah. But I could have swore there was a Mark Wade story. Okay, so it says here, if the internet is to be believed. Okay, now that's like 2008. Uh, And again, I don't want to waste a lot of time doing this. But it looks like 2008 was like the last time that he did anything like for real. Okay. So, you know, we're coming up on like, what, 13 years of him doing any sort of regular work at DC. Okay. Uh, I'm just looking here. Um, did he? He did. Okay, he was it something in like one of the Legionnaires things? No, it was in a Dark Knight's Death Metal book, the last stories of the DC universe. Okay, it came out um December eighth, two thousand twenty, 
And it had like written by Scott Snyder, James Tinney, and Joshua because it was one of those like anthology big, you know, uh, nine eight ninety nine books. And Mark Wade had a story in it, and that was brand new. Interesting. So that's because I remember talking with uh, the art collector, and he was like, he he showed it to me, and I was like, that's fantastic. And we're like, that's got to mean that there's you know at least Wade's willing to work with DC again. Interesting. So he definitely is, but a lot can happen, um, you know, between now and whenever. Yeah, he'll probably start to write it and they'll tell him now it's a Batman book. Oh, boy. Uh, It's like, well, it's a black label book, so legally it has to have Batman or Harley Quinn in it. Right. Or you know what? We'll take Joker, too, if you can. Could you do an Emperor Joker story? I'd say yes, please. (laughs) Uh, So just two follow-ups before we close out with the big story just from last week's uh, news stuff. Todd had speculated regarding what was going to happen with Joe Bennett and Marvel. Uh, You know, obviously some, um, you know, offensive cartoon stuff that he had done, whether it be recently or allegedly tried to sneak into issues of Immortal Hulk or had resurfaced from three or four years ago or some of his public uh political leanings um and he was slated to be doing the timeless book which was going to be some sort of big launching point for a big marvel uh thing featuring kang i'm guessing spinning out of the kang miniseries that's going on currently and uh, just very quietly no announcement no nothing um joe bennett's name was taken off of that book and replaced by who was it greg greg land i think yes Right. So again, no posturing, no nothing, no blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, sometimes these are the risks that you take um, when you put your, you know, your work behind a lot of that sort of stuff, you know? Right. Um, that being said, also on the Action Lab stuff, many of the creators that had creator-owned stuff there have been getting their rights slowly returned back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of it was stuff that was abandoned for months, if not years, not being available, not getting responses, not getting anything. Uh, but I guess the most notable thing in regards to this is um, while... They no longer Action Lab have a website or any sort of internet presence. There is an email address that's out there for you to continue to push if you're looking to get uh, rights back, publishing dates. But the fact that they no longer have a website or web presence isn't a great sign. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, great sign in the overall thing, but hopefully everybody who does, I'm going to say people probably won't get paid because that doesn't happen when things get defunct, but hopefully everybody will get the rights back to whatever they have. It's work that's done and they could shop it around and take it someplace else or something. That's the, that's it, the only plus that can come out of it. Exactly. So uh, last uh, main news story. I'll let you uh, take this one, Todd. Yep. Um, the original Mirage website that was opened up for like when Eastman and Laird were doing the Mirage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics is finally pretty much being taken offline. They said that they are going to keep it up for like reference because it has some pages of like, here's 
the Mirage run of Turtles for, uh, you know, like all the issues that they did because there was there was four volumes, three volumes. One there was one uh, image volume in between there. So they're gonna be like here's just like as a kind of a you know a, a template so you could see what it is. But any like contact or they said merchandise, so I couldn't find any on there in the longest time. It's finally gonna go the way of the dinosaur um, since basically there hasn't been anything new since 2008 on it. Um, uh, but it makes me sad because it's the end of an era. Um, of Eastman and Laird selling Mirage to Nickelodeon. Uh, this was kind of where they had it. And he was even doing, as up to like 2008 or 9, doing new Mirage comics, selling them, and then putting them up online for free if you wanted to read them. But sadly, that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, I'm just sad because that was my favorite one of the Turtles. And I've really never been a Turtle guy. Um, with even the new stuff, I tried some of the new stuff at IDW when they revamped it like 115 issues ago. I enjoyed it, but it was always just too kiddy for me after that. But sure, uh, but I did like the IDW last Ronin that felt more in it. But then they lost me on that by you know making by extending it to th- from three to five, but you know, and being late. So I'm like, ah, I don't really have anything. But uh, this place will always have a, a place in my heart. And uh, every once in a while I go to this site and I look at, like, the covers of the issues and the little synopsises and it makes me happy. But end of a, you know, end of an era. For sure. Uh, it's pretty crazy that, you know, they kind of were still hanging on even to this point because how many times have the Turtles been sold and resold and moved around to different whatevers, you know, in the last 10 to 15 years? Not trying um, to be funny once. Well, no, wasn't it? Um, they sold it to Nickelodeon, and then didn't Nickelodeon sell it to someone, and then like buy it back? No, I was always under the assumption. The only other time that it may have been sold was Laird bought out Eastman, so he owned it in 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 you know whole. Then East and Laird sold it to Nickelodeon. Then under that, it's like. All right, do you count it getting sold if Nickelodeon's bought by Viacom and Viacom owns like I, that kind of thing? But I don't think it was ever sold after that. You might be right, but like I said, I'm a Mirage guy. After that, I, I could be mixing up like the lineage and sales of the rights of Power Rangers, as opposed to Ninja Turtles. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but again, it's sad to see like. The original creators, the original publishers finally saying, like, yeah, we're done. We're we're mm-hmm. not going to, as of this upcoming Monday, um, you know, they're not going to be selling anything. It's just going to be essentially a reference site from here on out. Right, right. Well, at least it still exists as a, you know, monument to that era. For sure. But. Uh, oh, well. But hopefully they, uh, you know, Eastman and Laird and whomever else was involved in the company in their various forms. Uh, you know, hopefully they still got a couple bucks laying around from all of this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, at least I'll be able to get my Mirage figures from Loot Crate through eBay at an exorbitant price. Though. Right. So. That's the most important thing. Yep. Oh. So last but not least, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about anything being graded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, listen, we're not going to uh, shame you if you're into graded books. We've talked about this kind of ad infinitum, uh, ad nauseum, or whatever here on the show. So it's been a while since it's really come up. Uh, but this is something that kind of is close to, you know, the Patreon show. 
and uh, the trials and tribulations that you probably heard over on After Dark over the last year plus in regards to this. And this is specifically in what is regarded the first appearance of Spawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first appearance of Spawn is Spawn number one. Or is it? Well, it is. <laughs> but there's at least two other instances where Spawn appeared before Spawn number one came out. Uh, one of them is the March 1992 previews catalog. Uh, the other is something called Malibu Sun, which I think was like a West Coast fanzine in regards to comics. I think so. I'm not really sure what it was. Okay. So, obviously, Spawn is popular, has been popular, is regaining popularity. Uh, there was a time where that issue of previews was, what, a five, six, seven dollars $700 book? Yep. And uh, we ended up getting one with the much more rare variant Magnus Robot Fighter cover. <laughs> yep. And only a paltry sum of $200. Yep. So we can complete our collection um, and it was like right around the time that we saw that was when the Malibu Sun thing came into our purview. But this week, not only did a graded copy at a 9.8 of that Malibu Sun uh, number 13 go up, not mm-hmm. only is it signed by Todd McFarlane himself, it's also a misprint variant <gasps> because the Spawn first appearance in there which is a one-page ad with no text, no announcement date, no nothing, uh, is colored wrong. That's got to be worth even more. The messed up true first appearance of Spawn? Wow. I hate all this stuff. Well, as long as we can keep the fire lit till we sell that uh, ultra-rare variant cover of the previews, now, did you the, see how much that sold for? No. How much did it sell for? I did. And like 10 bucks, 20 bucks? Uh, $30,600. Seems legit. Seems like they'll make their money back on that. And this will be the last thing about this. <laughs> Video game grading makes comic book grading seem like a worthwhile, a trustworthy opportunity by comparison. There you go. Definitely an opportunity book, Joe. Yeah. Uh, But something that's not an opportunity is conventions this weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been great seeing uh, some of the creators that we follow and know, people that we know and follow have been going to conventions over these last couple weeks and have been talking about how the people run the conventions, the assistants, the helpers, the so forth, uh, are doing a very good job of scanning people, checking people, enforcing mask um, wearing, all that sort of thing. So if you are looking to go to a convention here in the near future, again, it does feel as though the comic book industry, I saw some folks talking about going to horror conventions uh, as well, talking about a similar way that things are being handled so uh, again hopefully that alleviates some of the fears or pressures or what have you on many of you maybe deciding not to go to things like this right uh this weekend there's two big conventions one fan expo in dallas texas 
Uh, on the media guest side, we've got Carl Weathers, Ooh. William Shatner, and George Takei. I can almost guarantee Shatner and Takei are on different days. Uh, well, are you sure they're not going to be same day, same table? Maybe same day, maybe opposite sides of the convention room for safety, uh, you know, social distancing purposes. Makes total sense. And not because they utterly hate each other. Right. And probably have the same agent because they're booked on the same conventions every weekend. Right. Just don't keep them in the same room, guys. We'll be good. Uh, but comic guest wise, uh, Donnie Cates is going to be there. Tony Harris is going to be there. Uh, Humberto Ramos is going to be there. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Cincinnati Comic Expo on the media guest side. John Barrow Mann is going to be there. Oh, there you go. Right. But more importantly, uh, Tom Cavanaugh is going to be there. Oh, reverse flash. Well, the one true uh, everything. The the backbone of the Flash TV show that doesn't exist anymore. Now, we always say that, like, the photo ops, like, all that stuff, where they should be dressed like Peacemaker, like Cena and all that stuff, he should just bring, like, his complete, like, wardrobe and be like, who do you want? Do you want, like, Sherlock? Or do you want, like, Wells? Or do you want Reverse Flash? Like, he has his blocks of, he has his, like, blocks of Sherlock. You know what I mean? So I would pay, I'd be like, I want them all. I want the, you know, all the wells. So it's, it's when uh, you go to um, a wedding and they have like the photo booth set up and like, here's a box of like funny things to wear in your pictures. (laughs) That's what he has. It's like, I don't remember uh, uh, Wells wearing a teabag bandit mask and a feather boa. Do you want the picture or not, kid? Come on, let's go. That's right. Hold on, let me put my eye patch on. We'll do this. Uh, but on the comic book shot side, Jim Shooter and Art Balthazar are going to be there. If you go to that Cincinnati con, um, give give Art a gentle ribbing about him missing his deadline for some book that he's doing. Okay. Uh, listening to Art's podcast, the Oh Yeah podcast, he was lamenting that he's been missing. He's been watching too much baseball. American cricket will get you. <laughs> he's a big Cubs guy. He's a big uh, oh. Cubs and White Sox guy, you know? Okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm missing the deadline on this. And the weekend of the Cincinnati convention, I'm missing another deadline. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he's like, he goes, I'm too wrapped up in baseball. Only lunatics are wrapped up in that stuff. Right. Not something sensible like football. But football's great. The links to those conventions will be in the show notes, of course, along with all the other links, starting with soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. When all of the shows in the network go live, uh, if you're not a podcatcher guy, podcatchers are unreliable. Of course, you can find them all at soon-to-be-named-network.com, whether it be this show, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, at Oz with Wrestling, we need wrestling, final wrestling place, wings on wings, hit my music, puzzle warriors three, profane arguments, porch talk. I think that's everything. I think porch talk is everything, Joe. And if any of those folks appear on other shows, of course you could find those at soon be named network.com. 
That's one thing that a uh, pod catcher will not do. Check out our friend Kevin's website, Masked Library. He just put up a bunch of new videos of some Ollie's finds of DC variant covers, third printings, uh, and a little bit of discussion in regards to which is actually rare, a first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth appearance. You know, uh, wasn't there a Hulk issue where the uh, smart Hulk showed up, but because it was like a third or fourth printing, that was the one that was more expensive after Endgame came out? Yep, that was the ridiculous one. If you yeah. wanted the full set, Joe. So Kevin gets into a little bit of discussion about that. Uh, Rick Williams, uh, Chop Shop, all the cool resin and uh, glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Uh, listeners of the show, they went out and they made their own comic books. Those are available over at Comixology. Uh, you could also check out our store, Comics on the Green. Um, it's too late if you've been waiting these last 25 years to say bye to Matt. <laughs> He's gone, sadly. Yeah, the uh, mad bassist has left the building. That's right. Uh, he's he's going to ply his wares down in uh, Georgia. He's going to sit on his porch and drink lemonade while wearing a white suit all day. Strumming <laughs> yep. his bass and drinking a lemonade. <laughs> yep. The Savannah's about to get loud, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, Savannah, I don't know where he's moving to in Savannah. I don't think there's a bad place in Savannah. Yeah. Uh, the City Walk area in Savannah is l- very nice. Uh, they I, they have a very liberal open container policy. I know that much. Well, the way I see it, Joe, you said there is no bad place in Savannah. Well, there is one now. <laughs> <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> That's right. There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> Oh, no, but we will miss Matt. I'm sure Matt will still interact with us online, but it won't be the same as getting a chance to see him at the comic book shop, go out and see him when that was still a thing that you were allowed to do and so forth. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't check out Comics on the Green, our local comic book shop. If you do not have a good comic book shop in your area or any comic book shop in your area, Dave and the gang, um, you know, whoever the gang is these days, I think the dog is now packing orders. (laughs) He's at least barking orders. Right. Uh, They do a very brisk, a very thorough uh, subscription business, whether you're picking your books up in person, whether you're getting stuff mailed to you on a weekly, a monthly basis or whatever. Oh, there's that word again, basis. I'm crying again. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, But no, go check out uh, their Facebook presence. That's where Dave does a lot of his social media-ing. Uh, links to his eBay store and all that sort of stuff is there. And hey, even if you make an order from them, you might get a sketch on your package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media for some of her finished art, some of her process. She was doing some sort <laughs> of uh, scantily clad lady over the weekend, if that's uh, up your alley, you know? Yep, little uh, monkey stickers so she don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I see weird stuff pop up on the timeline. I think she wouldn't have gotten in trouble. I would have reported her. Okay. Uh, sales this week on the digital end, if that's more your speed. Uh, a lot of holdovers from the last couple of weeks. Uh, Dynamite still having a sale on the Red Sonia stuff. Image still having a sale on Crime stuff. Uh, IDW still having sales on G.I. Joe and Transformers. Um, new stuff that we're adding this week. Marvel having sales on Namor. 
the new Star Wars stuff, not the old stuff specifically, the new stuff after they picked up the license. Uh, something they're calling the Iron Man Massive Golden Avenger Sale. Well, he was only gold for the first couple, you know, costumes. I know. I get such a kick out of things where it's like, we're going to give this big to-do for the Iron Man sale. And then, like, eh, Namor's on sale, too. You're right. Prince Namor, the Submariner, the first mutant sale. You know, let's mm. put a little... I think Namor needs a little bit more pageantry than Iron Man does. Right. They might not have the uh, the complete rights to Namor back officially. So they're, you know, lowballing it. Right. Uh, Boom having a biggest hits sale. Dark Horse having a sale on Jeff Lemire related stuff. Valiant having a sale on Harbinger stuff. And DC having a sale on... Say it with me, everyone. Batman stuff, because it's Batman Day coming up soon. Remember Batman Day? Uh, that's every day at DC. Remember? Does anybody remember laughter? <laughs> all right. So, like I said, the links to all that stuff is in the show notes here as well. Todd, let's get into what we read this past week. Uh, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with the book, the book we were both looking forward to most, which is The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, written by Kyle Schwart- Starks, uh, drawn by Chris Schweizer. Uh, basically, at this point, they the five of the sidekicks have gotten together, and they believe the sixth one is involved in the death of Trigger Keaton. So they're working out a plan to go see him, and he is was on a show with Trigger Keaton years ago that was like Frankenstein based. uh, And like he had this actor had a bunch of trouble with Trigger, maybe sleeping with his wife and stuff like that. So they're like, he's number one, you know, on our list. So they have to try and figure out this plan to get into, because he's still working at the uh, studio. So Terry comes up with this brilliant plan that would only take lots of money and like lots of, you know, strings to pull and everything like that. In the end, they're like, well, we'll just go in a different way because Allison, you know, gets them in and she ends up finding out that they're actually in a stuntman war. So she's going to take care of that. But uh, they end up, you know, a couple of them end up finding this person who's called Richard Brannigan and they end up discussing stuff with them. Is he or isn't he the killer? I'm not going to give too much away. But uh, once again, you know, Allison in the stuntman war, uh, a la like Mad Max with Sergio Argonis and like the margins doing stuff was fantastic. And there's a bit where the stuntmen get a hold of Terry and they make him an offer. And like what they call him is actually kind of cool because they're like, ah, oh, we kind of like you all around. There's not much more I could say about this because it just, it goes, it, go, it moves the story along, but it's totally fun. I'm a big fan of Kyle Stark's, you know, books. This is amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking next issue, uh, at the end of it, we're going to find out who the in a cliffhanger. We're going to find out who the killer is. Right. So uh, everything you laid out there, of course, uh, I'll say w- at least one of the sidekicks maybe doesn't maybe isn't a hundred percent sold that. Uh, even though Terry says he didn't kill Trigger, I, I don't think that he one hundred percent believes it. Right. Because he ends up uh, robbing him from something. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Um, again, I love this stuff with Allison being like the bruiser, the heavy hitter, the one who's always going to fight for everyone. Right. But totally naive. Yes. And the whole crew putting together that plan to break into the studio with them being specifically on the list and that they're all banned 
from the studio. And the plan that they put together is the most, like, if this was a TV show, they would have just done this, right? Mm-hmm. They would have the, the wherewithal, the resources, the fortitude, the coordination, and everything to put this plan together. But it's one of those plans that works, like, on paper, but this book sort of exists in the real world. So, like, how quickly it gets shot down was so funny to me. The gag with the canister of film is my favorite. Yeah. That's fantastic. What he brings, and it's like, oh, this is this is great. So, It's a very big difference between old Hollywood and new Hollywood thinking, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but again, um, you know, and we, we have, and the other thing is old Hollywood, new Hollywood. I love seeing people drawn in any sort of media or portrayed in any sort of media that still have like old school style Nokia phones. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, like this far along, I, 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 as Todd mentioned, I don't feel comfortable getting too far into what's going on. If you're reading this, you're with us. If you're not reading this, we don't want to give too, too much away, but you should be reading it. We talk about it when it comes out every month because it's great. It's funny. It's a well-drawn book. It's a well-written book. Uh, It's awesome. You should definitely be checking this one out. Yep. So another book uh, that we talk about, I think, every month when it comes out uh, with the self-imposed hiatus coming up. Uh, is The Nice House on the Lake, uh, number four, written by James Tinney and the Fourth, with art by Alvaro Martinez. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get a little bit more information, I guess, in regards to what's going on at the house. Yeah. Um, and please correct me if I'm wrong. David figures out that they've been here for a couple of weeks and eventually they're going to start running out of supplies. Right. And so this much I could talk about without me feeling it being too much of a spoiler, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of these uh, people that are in this house uh, were friends with, and again, what's the main guy's name who put them all here in the house? Give me one second. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh... Sorry to put you on the spot. No, I know, but you don't know uh, Walter. I have notes. I like that's the one note I'm missing. Walter, Walter. Okay. So they were all friends with Walter of varying levels of friendship. For some reason, Walter picked them all to be in this house while the world essentially falls apart. Right. Mm-hmm. So the day that they figure out that eventually they're going to run out of food, a notepad shows up at the front door. And anything that they write on the notepad for supplies will show up the next day. The next what? More specifically, if you tear a page out of this notebook and ask for something for just you, you make sure you put your name on that piece of paper. For the most part, it's going to get delivered to you. You have to feel specific, though. Yep, it'll show up with your symbol on it so people know not to open it. It's not your package. Yes. Um, So this is the catalyst for a division in the house to start to begin, a revelation that I'm not going to give away. But if you've been reading the book, you could probably kind of sort of figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I kind of want to get into some non-spoilery talk in regards to what poor Molly has been going through in regards to this. Yes. 
because this book plays a lot with the way that media is handled. You know, we saw Facebook feeds and Twitter, you know, timelines and stuff like this, but obviously they're all shut off from the rest of the world. And we get to see some of the notes during the course of the book that people are asking for. And, you know, uh, is it Sam who's kind of taking things as a goof and he's asking for like, I want a cowboy hat or I want a space suit or I want a this, like that sort of thing, right? It was David. He was the comedian. David, okay. Um, so he's he's doing that sort of thing. And then people are asking for specific food items. And then uh, someone wrote on their list, like, I want a first print copy of Action Comics number 27. And there was a part where they're all laying around in the library reading stuff. And that's just laying around. And then that gets paid off a couple uh, pages later where we see the note where somebody asked for it and it got delivered. Yep. To give you an idea of what you can ask for as long as you specifically ask for something and it gets delivered. Yep. Um, so we get to see Molly's notes that she's been writing over these last several days. And for some reason, her wishes are being unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. What she's requesting is being unfulfilled until it gets to a point where David asks for it for her and he gets it. Mm-hmm. Now, is this a flaw in the Matrix? Um, obviously, Walter knows that they're in the house together. That if somebody gets something to them, they'll maybe share it with someone else. Especially when Molly is specifically asking for an item and you're refusing to give it to her. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else asks for that item and you give it to them. Right. Did they discover like a flaw in whatever's going on? I don't think so. Okay. So what are your thoughts in regards to this? Because the, because the revelation of what, you know, uh, David asked for and what he can do with it, it pans out and he's like, well, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So if it doesn't matter, why not give it to Molly? Because, because there's a line in it where David goes, because you're asking for permission. And I think it'll work if, if Walter grants you permission. Aha. Do you, like, that's the caveat. So like, cause he, cause, Molly like, is asking, and again, we're treading lightly here because, again, I don't want to give away this, okay? Right, right. But again, if you've been reading the book, you haven't read issue four yet, you've been following along with our discussions, you probably figure it out. Mm-hmm. Molly's asking for this item with this specific intended purpose to use it for blank. Right. David asked for the same item, but his intentions are question mark as far as we know. Right, because he doesn't want to do what Molly does. He just has a hypothesis. But he but he asks for it to give to Molly. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. Right? So yeah. is he now circumventing the request thing of permission. I don't think so. I do not think so. I think... I think... Now, if you use anything in the house that way, like you can't... Like I said, it's tough to dance around. But yeah, I just just think... If if he had done... If Walter had sent it to Molly, it would have worked. 
but because he sends it to David, it won't work. I don't know if that makes any sense, but and we're like we're dancing around it, but that's the way I look at it. But it makes sense. Everything makes sense because something happens in the first issue with the person who takes the swipe at Walter, and then they do some first aid. And like I was like, oh, I thought that was a worse injury. But anyway, you know, I don't know. There's a lot going on here that I should have questioned before, but uh I don't know. I'm loving this book, and I just wanted to go off into the weeds with uh, David. David's the stuff David was asking for was cracking me up. Like you said, the hats, this and that. At one point, did you notice him wearing the Ferris Bueller outfit? No, I did not notice that. If you go through it, he's wearing the exact outfit that Ferris Bueller wore in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So he's just asking for ridiculous stuff, and it was cracking me up. So, yeah, I'm just, I I don't know. This is an interesting book, and I think it's only going to, I have so many, so many theories as to what's, like, what Walter is and what this is. Like, from, is it uh, supernatural? Is he a demon? Is it a uh, government test? I I don't even know anymore. And Is it extraterrestrial, which is what they think, maybe? Yes, and one of them even can't even talk about it. Like they don't, they don't even mention it around this person because they'll lose their stuff. Yeah. So, and you know what? In a good way, he's opened me. He's opened my mind up to all the possibilities. You know, because I'm thinking like, oh, it could be. Right. It could it could be? And as soon as my mind goes, it could be. If he does it, I won't hate it. You know, I don't. Know. This so is definitely one of those books that when they take their hiatus. Those first six issues are going to need a reread. Yes, and I and I want like I wonder how mind blowing the cliffhanger is going to be. I'm sure he has to have something big planned. Because mm-hmm. I felt as though this was like the biggest issue. Oh, it is because it explains how everything works, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, we'll see. But in that, like, I, and this isn't a spoiler because it's been in all the issues. It just seems like every time somebody's narrating the opening. That everything's gone to heck, like the like like the dock is busted up that the one guy's walking on, and I'm like, does the house repair itself? Was there was there a war between everybody? Like, what's happening? So many questions, Joe, yep. but in a good way. Uh, so that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am still in the lead with one correct guess over Todd. Let's see how we can do things from here. Right. So I'm looking over your list, and is the book you're looking forward to most Invincible Red Sonia number four? No. It's Kang it's, the Cup. It's Kang number two. That's what I figured. Uh, Primordial is the new Jeff Lemire thing at Image, right? Yes, it is, with Andrea Sorrentino, I believe, on art. Yeah, the... They the they were on Gideon Falls together. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Fantastic Four Life Story number four. It is not. <gasps> oh, my goodness. 
it is actually uh, primordial, number one. Oh, really? Wow. All right. Um, just I'll give you the quick uh, breakdown of the uh, mind-bending uh, sci-fi collides with Cold War thriller. In 1957, the USSR launched a dog into Earth's orbit. Two years later, the U.S. responded with two monkeys. These animals never returned, but unbeknownst to everyone, they did not die in orbit. They were taken, and now they are coming home. I don't know, being like the space stuff and I always liked, and I, I love Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. There was just something about the premise that, that really grabbed me about this book. So, gotcha. so I'm usually Jeff Lemire guy, but because this is a six-issue miniseries, I was going to trade weight it. Fair enough, you know. Well, maybe you'll just read it for, and see, and then you could buy the trade when it comes out. Maybe I will, Todd. Maybe, maybe. I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, no movement on the board there. We are both wrong this week. Look at that. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the smash hit sensation Todd and Joe Have Issues, discussing the mid to late 2000s run on Jonah Hex from... Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti, and the much maligned Spider Clone Saga. So, Todd, I turn things over to you. So, I'm going to start with uh, Sensational Spider Man number one. Um, give me a second, my my tablet's acting up. But uh, so, this is the new zero of the legend begins anew with the giant size special. Um, both written and drawn by Dan Jurgen. So basically, uh, Ben Riley's at the grave of Ant Man, Uncle Ben, basically just giving uh, the rundown of uh, you know the whole thing that we've seen, uh, you know the whole clone saga up to this point. So it's like okay, you know I don't want to go too much into that. But while he's doing that, somebody robs a flower vendor. So Ben stops them. And he ends up running into, uh, what's her name? Anna Watson. I'm sorry, because I always want to say Aunt May. You know what I mean? Um, and she thinks he looks like a homeless person because he's disheveled and, and uh, you know, has a beard. But she thinks he's Peter. And he's got to play it. But, you know, he does it. So he ends up uh, going and looking around for money because he finds out that he's, he's out of web fluid. He can't, uh, you know, use it. He has no money to make at it. But then he ends up saying something in here, and I have to ask you, um, that since he no longer has access to Trainer's Lab, did something happen? Because I know you skipped a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the, the virtual reality uh, issues that we skipped, like, all of his stuff gets blown up. Okay. Did Trainer die or anything? No. Okay, so he's still He around. just no longer has the resources he previously had. Okay, that's fine. Was just, you know, very curious. Um, now, uh, there's this new villain wandering around, and he gets hired by this uh, basically Oz-like character. You know, not Supper Shredder. That's different. But he uh, ends up hiring him. Now, is this the guy? Because now I have questions as we go. Is this the guy that was in the virtual reality stories that with uh, the female Dr. Octopus? Yes. Okay, did they mention who he was that, that I missed or anything like that? No, so that's who the reveal at the end of the issue is. Oh, okay, I got confused. I thought maybe they might have, 
engineer. But he ends up hiring him because he wants him to go find a chip. Oh, is that okay? That makes more sense now. I misread it. Um, but he wants uh, this uh, guy called Armada to go find uh, this chip that's all AI infused and stuff like that. So uh, Ben has no money for food or rent, but he he scratches together some bucks and makes the last of his web fluid from uh, the, like the basic of the basic. It's not like w- impact webbing or anything. He's like, so this should work. Let me even test it out. He goes to this place called the Daily Grind Coffee House and he ends up uh, ordering food. But this lady's like, uh, it's, you know, more than that. He's like, I'm a little short. I'm a couple of, you know, cents short. She's like, here, you could just have it because uh, there's no, you know, I, I have no workers, but it's good to give to people. Here you go. And while Ben is thinking about this, he's like, well, should I take up the mantle of Spider-Man? I'm going to do it, but I need a new costume. And in that, he runs into this person from the university fashion department. Is this a character I should know? Or... Is this someone no, who's new? Everyone in this is new. Well, kinda. Okay. Uh, we'll get to that, but it's no one you know or should know. Okay, and she and she's like, "Oh, I'm at the fashion department at the university next door," and Ben's like, "Oh, well, that makes sense. I well, I can go over there, and you know, I made my original costume. I'll go and make a new one." And in that, he's thinking, "But do I get new and daring, or do I go with the old one?" And he's like, ah, nah, the cape doesn't, the suit, like the whole thing of the suits in his head is actually cool. All the different designs are kind of weird, you know, and stuff like that. I like the one that he says is too much, too much like X-Men. Reminds me of the Superman one from uh, Superman Hunter Prey where he fought Doomsday. So that's that's a very cool costume. Um, While that's going on in the university, Armada breaks in. And he ends up stealing the chip and Ben reveals the new costume, which is his, you know, the friendly new neighborhood Spider-Man costume. And I have to say, it's, I, I, I like this costume. It's not my favorite. I know a lot of people like, you know, go, go for this one. I'm like, it's good. I give Dan Jurgens kudos. Um, he ends up chasing Armada. And while that's going on, we find this new woman who's Jessica who ends up taking pictures uh, of the whole situation, um, basically fights Armada for a while. Armada has these like creatures that are fly or these gizmos that are flying around and he's very attached to them, gives them female names. Ben ends up destroying one and he kind of loses his mind. Um, he ends up flying away with the doctor who created the chip uh, and Peter has, to, or Ben has to save him. Um, he ends up helping him. This guy, Armada, gets away with the the chip. Uh, let me see here. He ends up fa- finding him. Uh, not finding him. He ends up losing him. And we find out at the end that it's uh, Mysterio. Uh, that I did not see was the guy in the, the, the thing that, in the computer. And Ben ends up dyeing his hair blonde and working for the lady who... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Who gave Runs him the sandwich? Runs the daily grind. Runs the daily grind. And uh, so he's got a job now. The only thing that I'm mad about, and I didn't mention in the beginning, was he saved the flower vendor. And he says, if you ever need flowers, come see me. And then Ben brings flowers at the end. And he doesn't even mention Vito, who probably gave him a deal, Joe. So 
But all around, an interesting issue, but it was a lot of recap. We get a new villain, Armada, and we find out it's Mysterio. Right. So it's a new look Mysterio as well, with like the green flaming head and everything. Yes. Yeah. So a couple things about this issue in particular, and then a couple things in regards to all of this in general, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So this is the beginning of setting up the new status quo of Ben being the one true Peter Parker Spider-Man forever and a day, right? Right. Um, so all the characters, the supporting cast that we meet in this, uh, the woman who owns the Daily Grind, her son, um, the fashionista girl who shows up and shoes Ben from her table, Jessica, these are all brand new characters. This is now... Ben's new supporting cast. I think maybe in the next couple issues, the only person that they end up keeping around from the old supporting cast as a regular or semi-regular is Betty Brandt. Okay. I could okay. be wrong about that though. Right. So um Armada sadly does not become a wild whip, but he does only have three appearances overall in the entirety of his Marvel career with his batteries not included helpers. Right. Um, so there's uh, a bunch of little jokes and gags and so forth. Again, it does feel very much like a t- long-term DC writer trying to write a Marvel book. Right. Um, you know, obviously trying to write in the Peter Parker, Spider-Man jokey style. Um, the fact that Peter Parker was short a quarter on his meal. I don't know. That one, like, he couldn't find a quarter. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? That makes him trustworthy when he brings the quarter back to the lady. So, yeah. So Ben also dyes his hair blonde because, of course, he's being recognized as Peter Parker when he's maskless. Uh, even though he's being recognized as homeless Peter Parker when he's maskless. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have draw- drawn him more shabby. Then he like he was shabby, but they should have drawn him more shabby if he was being considered to be homeless during this. Well, it doesn't take much to make you think someone's homeless. I've gotten a few free quarters in my time. Sure, sure, but you 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 had an empty cup in front of you, you know. <laughs> That's right, I'd, and and I'd rattle it. So, so um, one character I want to mention, Jessica. Okay. okay. Jessica has a past. Ooh. Do you want to guess what Jessica's story is? And how it directly relates to Spider-Man? She is mad at Spider-Man about something. Okay. Do you have any speculation or postulation as to what it could be? She He arrested her dad. You have to be like way more specific than that. Um, and this will be the last time, and then we'll move on until the reveal happens. If you, unless you get it right now, is there is her father the burglar? Her father's the burglar. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but how would they didn't know that? Oh, did Spider? Did, didn't he? Did he catch him as the Spider Man? There is a story. Um, I think from like Spider-Man 200. Okay. Where the burglar gets out of jail. Like Amazing Spider-Man 200, where the burglar gets out of jail. 
mm-hmm. and Spider-Man ruined his life. Um, and uh, he is going to go and confront Spider-Man and so forth. And as he does, he has like a heart attack and passes away, right? Oh, okay. So what ends up being is, of course, she doesn't, it's not like she knows that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And again, how long has she been living in New York City? And this is the first time that she ever sees Spider-Man, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel as though if you live in Marvel, New York City, you see Mar- you see Spider-Man like once a week. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of stars live in New York. And you don't see a certain one once a week. I, I'm just saying, I think Spider-Man's a little bit more high profile and out there than, you know, a famous celebrity who doesn't want to be mobbed. As opposed to someone who's saving a city that's constantly in danger. Right. Okay, so this book is an editorial mess. Uh, obviously, I think we've discussed this before at the very beginning of this. Dan Jurgen leaves DC, comes to Marvel to work on this book. Under the guise that he is going to be writing the one true Spider-Man book. Mm-hmm. And by the time the deal was inked and the like, the deal was made and the ink dried in the contract, there was already the p- plan in place to bring the Peter that we've known back as Spider-Man. And this Ben thing was just going to be a placeholder for a couple months. Right. And Dan Jurgens was very upset about that. He felt as though he they knew this when they signed him and convinced him to leave DC. Mm-hmm. And uh, he felt as though if he knew he was coming over to draw and write the one true clone of Spider-Man as opposed to the one true Spider-Man, he wouldn't have left DC. Are you saying they bait and switched him? Um, so I think because the way that Marvel was being run at this time... I I sadly have to side with Marvel on this one in that I think when they made the deal, they thought this was going to, you know, be the plan going forward. And something happened in between that they decided it wasn't going to be. And at that point, they may not have been as forthcoming with Dan Jurgens as they could have been. I believe it. OK. Uh, also, the main villain of this storyline is Mysterio. Mysterio's shoot name is Quentin Beck. Uh Right around this time is where the Daredevil story written by Kevin Smith is coming out. Is that the one where he's sick and does something? Yes. So then Dan Jurgens has to rewrite his story to make this Mysterio in his book a new Mysterio. Oh, like all the new Spider-Man characters were getting all this villains... That that deep deep rogues gallery was getting refurbished rogues. Yes. Okay. So again, already off to a rocky start for Dan Jurgens' relationship with Marvel with this book. But I enjoyed reading this. This was a fun light book. Uh, you know, we could have started here. I think with the clothes. Oh on. my God! Don't make me <laughs> choke you the next time I see you. Oh, you're my. You know what you are to me? You're my Chaco. You know that? Ah. Oh. Perfect segue, Todd, into Jonah Hex issues 49 or 48 and 49. Um, again, we can kind of pair these together because it's the wrap-up of the big six-gun war storyline. Uh, we find out that Chaco has betrayed Jonah Hex. Yes, he has. All Chaco wanted to be was Jonah's friend. 
mm-hmm. and Jonah has betra- uh, has uh, humiliated Chaco, beaten Chaco, yelled at him, hit him, and now Chaco will have the last laugh, just like everyone else before <laughs> and will come after. You always get uh, one over on Jonah Hex. He definitely doesn't get over on you and end up shooting you with some sort of pithy quip uh, that's really miserable and angry. Right. So Chaco turning on Jonah, giving him up to uh, Turnbull's bounty hunters, whom which Jonah deals with not relatively quickly, but quick enough, you know, right. to be kind of beaten up and kind of be taken down a peg. Um, the Irish boxer guy maybe gives him a little bit more of a whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's when the Irish boxer guy and the twin lady assassin types they start arguing over what to do with Jonah, whether they kill him or whether they bring him back to Turnbull. That's when Jonah's able to get up on them. He takes out the Irish boxer guy. He lets the girl go back to Turnbull uh, just to kind of say, like, hey, I'm coming for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Chaco, of course, attempts to do a little backpedaling, but that's, you know, not enough. Uh, and I was sad to see Chaco uh, meet his bitter end at the end of a bullet from Jonah Hex. But mm-hmm. he deserved it. That's what you get for crossing Jonah. Moral of all of these stories is don't cross Jonah. Pretty much. Uh, we do get a bit, of course, where everyone is together. Jonah's crew uh, himself. Um, Lazarus, Batlash, and uh, Tallulah Black. All the uh, Comanche, Blue Eagle specifically, have all been gunned down by Turnbull's men. And this is where they get into discussion in regards to what to do with them, of course. And Tallulah knows a little bit more about the Comanche than she maybe has let on to in the past regarding of how they want to be buried and so forth. But they make the decision not to bury them with their weapons as they typically do. Um, they just kind of throw them all into a bonfire. Right. And that's the end of issue 48, unless you got something to throw in there before we move on to 49. Nope. Other than the fact that last week when you're like, I like Chaco, I'm like, I can't wait for the next issue. So when I was uh, putting together the pull uh, the uh, Todd Joe have issues for this week, it was like, it happens on like page two. And I'm like, oh, Chaco. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to oh. start pulling the, 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 the things for you? No, no. Okay. Maybe this week you can. Right, right. So issue 49 this is the big finale. Uh, Jonah and his paltry band of uh, Mary, not so men and Tallulah Black are going to invade uh, Turnbull's thing. But it looks as though they've got uh, Jonah and his crew outnumbered 30 to one. Uh, Jonah, though, uh, decides to put Lazarus in a sleeper hold <laughs> or a sleep hold. Or the Jonah Dollar Dream. Um, and everyone else is like, what, you're being crazy? He's like, no. Uh, once Lazarus is out, that's how El Diablo comes out. And El Diablo will be more helpful to us, um, obviously, since he is kind of like the Old West DC version of Ghost Rider. Um, with the way that Turnbull's men are treating the miners um, below where Turnbull's men are all stationed, if uh, El Diablo senses the injustices being wronged, he will assist freeing them. And with the miners out on the loose, whether they're willing or unwilling in assisting Jonah, just the chaos will be enough to bring uh, Turnbull's men down, detract them and so forth, and allowing Jonah, Batlash, and Tallulah to break through. And they do. 
Uh, Jonah gets his one-on-one with Turnbull. Uh, A lot of trash talking going on in this battle. Turnbull shows that he's more than ample of a uh, foe for Jonah. And just when you think uh, Jonah's got Turnbull dead to rights, uh, Santos Nunez, on behalf of General Ricardo uh, Payalo, shows up to take Turnbull into custody and escort him across the state lines. In, yeah, across the border into America. Across the border into America, and Jonah's like, no, you can't take this from me. Uh, what if I just shoot him now and I, you say... He was dead when you got here. And uh, Nunez is like, you know, I can't do that. Uh, So sadly, uh, Turnbull gets away. And this whole big crossover has a relatively unsatisfying ending. Do you mean a bad ending or an unsatisfying ending? No, not a bad ending. But an ending I did not see coming. Okay, I assumed with what we've been conditioned with, if you cross Jonah Hex, you will die. Right. This guy who thought Jonah Hex killed his son, Jonah tries to explain to him that he didn't. We discussed that, you know, the uh, flashback to the Civil War from, I think it was issue 47 or whatever it was. Right. Uh, But at this point, Jonah's like, okay, well, if you're going to try to kill me, I'm going to try to kill you. And typically, Jonah kills you. And -hmm. in this instance, Jonah didn't get a chance to kill him. The villain gets away. Yep. And And I did not see that coming. Well, that's good, because now you mean an unsatisfying ending for Jonah. That's more, I get what you mean. Yes. Um, but yes, he's he, Turnbull's one of the reoccurring characters that, uh, villains, one of the few that he's ever had. Now, I don't know if he shows up again here, but he showed up a bunch in the previous uh, series. So, like, he's gone against them, and I don't think we ever see, like, whatever happened to Turnbull other than in a all-star Western uh, during the blackest night, he comes back as a black land. Oh, okay. Perfect. And that's really cool. So, and Jonah does too, but so, but yeah, I don't think you're going to see him anymore, but one of the few characters that comes back. So I love Quentin as a, as a villain. That's all I got. So next week, it's easy. One and one. We got one issue of Amazing Spider-Man, number 407, and we got one issue of Jonah Hex, and that's issue 50. Mm-hmm. Some light reading there. Yep. Todd, we, did we have any... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, at least I know one will be good. Are you going to ask me if I have any art attacks, Joe? Yes. Uh, I do. I have one art attack from uh, Sasso Lantern. Uh, ordered prints from each of the T- uh, each of the TMNT with the intent of getting them signed by as many of their respective actors as I as I can. Uh, Freddie Williams II, who was the artist, even threw in a few extras. So I actually thought that was cool. Like you got the prints of all the different characters. So hopefully you can get uh, the actors to sign them, and that would be great. And I think I see a shredder in there. Yeah. So if you can get a certain actor who played him, uh, more power to you. Though you don't have a Casey, and that that's the only thing that upsets me. Um, but I actually do love the plan. That's really cool, and I haven't seen that before. So good on you. Yeah, and uh, Freddie Williams II did uh, the Batman TMNT crossovers. Yep. And uh, I really like his stuff. He's also done stuff with the uh, Red Letter Media guys. So, again, good guy there. 
Yep, and Manny Joseph sent me some, a thing that says some Kickstarter swag from Jim Starlin, but didn't send me a link. So, Manny, if you want me to see that, send me a link. Yeah, let's share that with everyone. Yep. So, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our other offerings, whether it be our store, where you can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, if you want even more things with our fancy logo on them, uh, logos inspired by After Dark, by Add Odds with Wrestling, by Final Wrestling Place, by Hit My Music, head over to our T Public store, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, where you can get those logos on everything from cell phone covers to throw pillows and tablets and everything in between. Uh, you can also sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. $5 a month is going to get you those two bonus shows. Six never seen movies. I assign Todd six movies he's never seen. He assigns me six movies I've never seen. We alternate on the months, and we're getting toward the end of the year here. As this week, we'll be recording a story of Ricky, Ricky O, which was my pick for Todd. Um, even though I said that last movie is set down and it has to be, uh, there was almost some flip flopping this week on that last movie. Okay. Uh, but I gotta, I gotta stand true and I gotta stand fast with the original list. I can't make any substitutions. Uh, but mm. if by some chance you did see the sixth movie I'm assigning you, I, I have a, a seventh that rocketed to the top of the list this week. Oh, I think I know what one it was. <laughs> yes. Uh, and of course, uh, previewing the past where Todd and I look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog to see what the. Uh, world of comics and collectibles and sports cards and non-sports cards and craps tables looked like. <laughs> uh, also at that $5 level, you get After Dark like three days before everyone else so that you get to listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Lastly, another way that you can support us is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. does not cost you anything extra. Uh, they, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. We call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. And uh, I do get to read that line in the correct way that it was uttered on Ad Odds with Wrestling this past week. And I had someone... Uh, reach out to me and they're like, I know where you stole that from. Uh, they didn't say it that way. They said it much nicer. Uh, and a lot of times these things on here, it's just for one person. That's all it is. I'm going to have to ask you off mic where it's from. <laughs> yes, you can. And you'll hate it. Um, of course I will. <laughs> some of the notable purchases that the Amazon clicked through this past week include uh, an under desk keyboard tray, a Ooh. computer tower stand, a MoCo case compatible with all new uh, Kindle Fires. Uh, Ramisu brand women's casual faux leather shorts. High waist stretch slim hips motorcycle skinny coated shorts. Nice. And uh, 6 a.m. lifestyle foldable headphone stand hanger. Okay. And uh, again, it looks like someone is putting together maybe like a computer or a podcasting setup while wearing leather hot pants. <laughs> I don't doubt it. So if that is you purchasing all those items or all of those things are purchased separately, whether you purchase something this week, last week, last month, last year, whenever, we do appreciate you helping us out any way that you can. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's it before we get into TV talk. I think so. All right, so 
Let's get into discussion of the latest episode of Stargirl as I get my notes. Okay. You said your tablet wasn't working. My tablet's working just fine. I don't know if you could hear it. Yeah, well, I, I, I can't put I can't draw the whole issues of uh, Todd and Joe have issues in my tablet. I have to read them digitally because I don't own the issues. All right. I'm going to change things up a little bit. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to let you lead on Stargirl so I could lead on Why the Last Man. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, we have, uh, Stargirl is, you know, doing obviously summer school. So she's in summer school getting ready with all her friends to look for, um, the Eclipso diamond and the shade and all that. Um, but she was out all night looking for the shade and, uh, I can't think of Pat comes to see her and says like, you know, you have to be careful. And she confronts him by saying, you know, you're the, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the shade has been more honest with me than my own stepfather. And I thought that was a really cool, uh, uh, line and all that. And he's like, listen, you have to take it back a notch. And she's like, all right, as long as you're not lying to me anymore. But, um, obviously I think Pat's lying to her, Joe, just so you know. Um, but they end up finding out that the diamond affects, uh, the weather patterns, so they're thinking that they can use the, the weather patterns. They don't know how yet, but they can maybe uh, use that to, to, to find Eclipso. Um, while that's going on, Beth ends up talking to uh, um, uh, Pat about like that she thinks that Dr. Midnight is actually alive and she doesn't know where he is, but uh, she's kind of he's kind of communicated through the goggles. And he's like, listen, we have to stay on point. Maybe it's Eclipso uh, tricking you, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's not. She, she gets sad. But I do like that uh, our man ends up standing up for her. And he's like, well, what do we do? He's like, well, if we find out he's alive after we do more research, nothing on heaven or earth will stop us from finding him. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the uh, Cindy is running around trying to recruit more people for the, uh, for the Injustice Society. And she ends up going to see Icicle's uh, kid. And she tries to recruit him. And he wants nothing to do with her because um, he knows that she's terrible. But before she leaves, she ends up infecting with the diamond, however you want to say it, the substitute teacher. And he ends up becoming like, you know, having delusions or whatever and starts. I don't know if it's real or not, whether delusions, he's getting sick and Eclipso's possessing him and he starts painting all this stuff. Um, the kids end up realizing that there's a storm over the school. So it might be him at night. They go in, they end up fighting the principal or the teacher and Eclipso ends up showing all the people, their fears through art and stuff like that through the art teacher. Um, Courtney ends up figuring out that maybe the staff can cure it because it's light based and the Eclipso is dark based. And he ends up, she ends up saving the teacher, but he might be messed up. I'm not sure how, how all that works. Um, so at the end, at, at the art, I want to find out who did all the artwork. That was actually really kind of cool. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything. Oh, Courtney and Icicle's son are trying to have a relationship, but because she's Stargirl, it's getting in the way, which I find interesting because I'm thinking maybe that will finally show Stargirl that that life has sacrifices. Um, and uh, I like the grandmother of the Icicle, like staring down Cindy uh, 
And we end up finding out that the icicle son has powers because he ends up freezing one of his brushes. Did I miss anything other than I think Beth's parents say they might or might not get a divorce? Can't think if I missed anything. No. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's everything. I thought that was a good uh, episode. I was trying to look up who did the art that was displayed in this episode as well, and I could not find it either. It looked a little Bill Sienkiewicz-y to me. Um, I don't want to uh, say yes or no either way. I just want to say I think he's above their pay scale. So <laughs> Now, so I thought it was odd of all people for Cindy to give like the brush up to the art teacher to have him get possessed. Now, I'm assuming it's because like he's in the school with Courtney and Yolanda and whomever else. So that's like a way for her to mess with them without her being directly involved. Right. Um, I did like the bit like I thought that actor was really good in selling being possessed and corrupted and everything else. Um, it's almost as though the adult actors sometimes are better than the teenage kid actors. What? I was reminded again in this, uh, episode that the kid who plays Our Man might stink out loud. But he looks fantastic. Looks great in his suit, looks great standing there with his mouth shut and just being pouty. What? But he feeds the really big dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but like I said, I, I thought the bit where the, uh, the, 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 the art teacher, the substitute teacher, the summer school teacher, um, he gets tapped, he gets possessed and then he starts like puking up the paint. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was a, a pretty like, uh, you know, kind of, and again, it, obviously it was just paint, but it felt very much like, uh, how could we get away with like some sort of like demonic possession without him like puking up blood or something? Mm-hmm. But, and then there was the bit where he paints like all the like Eclipso diamonds, mm-hmm. right? And then there's the one on the wall and there's the thing or whatever that's coming through the wall trying to break through. That's Eclipso. I could tell right. by the little fairy hat that he had on. I got I got strong uh, end of Nightmare on Elm Street 4 vibes from that. And I, that was, I thought that was pretty neat. You know what I got strong vibes from all that and the painting and all that? Huh. The Hawaiian shirt issue of Starman. Oh, okay. Remember where the guy painted Hawaiian shirts and then he ended up painting um, nexuses to other realities? Yes. I think they're stealing that from that. And I want to say at one point, the teacher had a really wild Hawaiian shirt on. Like a real, like, not maybe Hawaiian, but you know what I mean? Like a loud, different color patent shirt. And I'm like, oh, James Robinson gets a little credit on this show too. So I bet you this is working its way in. Yeah, so, and again, not that, it was like a tip off or something, but he, the the teacher definitely wore like more muted colors, more things that you would expect the teacher to wear in the previous episodes of the show, more browns and whatevers. And then this episode, when he's having the conversation with Icicle Jr. in the way, and he has like, it's not a floral print, but it like, it's like a loud, bright colored shirt. Right. Multicolored. Yeah. 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 And I'm just like, this feels weird. But that's what it feels like, you know, a nod to me, you know? Yeah. But I like this episode. I thought it was good. Yeah. So why the last man? Right. So they surprised us by, on the debut episode, maybe we knew this and I just didn't know this because I'm a dope. I didn't know uh, But they released three episodes on the first day. Mm-hmm. 
We did not have time to watch all three episodes because it comes out on a Monday and we record on a Tuesday and we're both very busy individuals. Yep. Um, so where to go with this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is mostly an unknown cast except for Diane Lane as uh, the senator, Yorick's mom. Yep. And I think that's good. Um, my, okay. So let's just say I like this because I like the comic book, right? And I see where the comic book is in all this. Right. So the comic book came out when? Like early 2000s? We were just discussing this at the the, uh, comic shop on the basis last day. Uh, It was 2002, the first 10 issues. Okay. What the trade the first trade has like copyrighted 2002. Okay. So technology has changed quite a bit in that time. Right. So there was a lot of technological stuff that they had to change. And sadly, I think unless like I said I haven't watched episode 2 or episode 3 yet and they could turn me around. But knowing what I know about technology in 2021, knowing what I know about this book, I feel as though this book, this storyline couldn't happen the way that it does with the technology that exists in 2021. Okay. Um, obviously, I'm sure there's going to be more things to explain stuff as to why. Um we get introduced another thing is we get introduced to a lot of characters in this we pretty much get introduced to everyone in this everyone that we're going to be following over these next 10 episodes are introduced in episode one Mm -hmm. whether they live or die mostly if they live and i think a lot of times when you give a new viewer whether they know the material or not so many characters it could be like okay well this person relates to that person this way. And then you have agent 355 as the double agent and she's working at whatever. So I think it just might've been a little bit too much. This was as faithful as an adaptation of why the last man is you can get in 2021. I just feel as though 2001 um, uh, technology is going to make them have to do a lot more explaining and footwork to tell the story of the comic. Okay, I'll have to, I mean, can you, I, I don't know what you mean, or do you just don't want to spoil anything? Okay, so as everything is happening, okay, um, whether it be the bomb going off or the animals freaking out and running through the streets or them finding the dead animals or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as though that happening on such a large scale as we see here would be more known. More people would be talking about it. More people would be reacting to it. More people would maybe even being prepared for it. Like the um, Diane Lane's character's aide. Uh, she's on a date. She's picking up the suit, right? Mm-hmm. And as she's with the guy and they're picking up the suit, that's when the horse comes wildly down the street and then the flood of rats come, okay? Okay, I have all points to this when you're done, but go ahead. Okay, and I'm sure you do. But I just feel as though if that happened in 2021, more people are going to know about it. 
just because the way that technology and social media and people interaction works. I think maybe she doesn't go into work the next day. I think she go go to the work the next day and they're going to have that big meeting. And as the meeting's about to start, they get word from Israel that something's going on, but now Israel's not picking up. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I'd like to think in 2021 that they may have more than one way to contact another nation in the event of an emergency. Well, let me ask you a question, Joe. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you want me to take all these one by one? You do okay. whatever you want to do. Okay. So the story starts out three weeks before. Three why? weeks after. What? Three weeks after. Right. Oh, yes. Three weeks after. That's what I meant to say. But then it ends up how many days before it does it does it say when they when they flash back? A, a day. Right. So a day. A couple of animals die. The explosion on, on, on in, in, that the agent does, the, the double agent, you know, that's reported to, you know, the government. So obviously, because they say, oh, there was some white, you know, supremacists who, who have this. So, okay, that's no problem. Um, but then the animals, I feel like the animals were dotted, like were the beginning of it here or there, because it was like, oh, there's one mouse here. And the agency's one deer. It's not like there was a whole bunch of them. But the way they say it's like, all right, it's the day before the uh, Y day. Um, And the woman who has the horse run away and uh, the the rats, it's like, okay, she's going out to eat. They say she had to pick up the the dress for for the congresswoman. He's like, well, it's too late to see a movie. Maybe we can get something to eat. It's really late at night. The way I gathered it was the middle of the night. It's only hours before work. And then you're going to tell me that the, the assistant to a congresswoman during this big event that whatever's happening, because there's something with the, the Star Wars space station, which I think will, you know, come into play down the road, which is big. She's like, she's not going to go into work. So no, they didn't have time to report it on the East Coast because we cut right to the like early morning and everything goes to heck. So there's no there's no time. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. I- I get what you're saying. I don't think um, the horse and the rats incident happening to that same person maybe is happening as late as you think it is. And I get what you're saying. Like, there's the mouse here in the hotel room. There's the deer on the side of the road. But to have the horse thing and that flood of rats, I don't think it just happened to that one person, that one guy. Let's say she doesn't go in. The guy sees it, too. The guy maybe puts it up on social media. There may have been other people because there were there were cars dodging this horse as it was running. There were people in cars as this flood of rats was coming through the same way that this horse just came. So I'm not saying just her, but obviously her, other people could have done this. Um, It goes up online. Maybe she sees it. She ignores it. She shows it to someone else or whatever. Uh, Obviously we know it's a day before, but like the date, like the actual hour to the minutes, I don't know, whatever. I get what you're saying. Um, I just feel as though they're so go ahead on to the, 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 the communications with Israel or other countries. Okay. Just Israel now. Um, but at least that one, how many other countries and, and this, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to take a political stance or anything like this. How many countries have mostly men as the top tier people? 
Okay. So so they all die like they because you have to admit, like when when they're saying like we can't contact Israel, it's only minutes later that all the men in America die. So all the men who have power and like make the calls and everything, maybe the, the, there isn't a lot of women re- leaders. So it all goes to heck, and they're like, "Well, who answers the phone? Like we don't we don't know what to do. We're not in charge. We don't have any power. We, we might not even be able to 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 access the stuff because it's you know top secret or whatever. You have to have clearance. So do you know what I'm trying to say? If that makes any I, sense, I do know what you're trying to say. I will say this, they TV shows specifically cite Israel. The comic book, I remember specifically citing Israel having a the largest female uh, military force, military people than any other nation on earth. Right. So one would assume, obviously with me with that knowledge in my head, that the book established that if any country would have a contingency plan just set up just based on sheer numbers of people, male versus female, in their military services, how high or how low we're talking, that they would have had someone, you know, whatever, be be on top of this. All those men go, you're going to have more women, of course, hopefully the way that it's set up. But like I said, episodes two, episodes three, they could probably flesh this out a little bit. I'm watching one episode and I'm just watching something that was written in 2001, 2002 with 2001, 2021 information in my head. Right. I still look at it as even if that's not the way, one last thing, and then we can move on that. It's like, okay, all our, all the men in our, in our, uh, in our country just died. You know what? Let's answer America's phone call. Let's not figure out what's going on here. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, I don't know. I just look at it. There, there's a million reasons that you can sure. you can write for whatever. But I have no problem with it. And also on that last day before everything kind of goes belly up. Uh, and again, I taking this however you want to. Sure is a coincidence that all of our main key players, for the most part, are having relationship issues on the day that all this happens. That was one of the most uh, interesting things. But... I was like, because I don't remember. Because obviously Yorick did. You know what I mean? If I remember well, correctly. Well, if I remember from the book, hadn't Beth already left for Australia before anything happened? Like, she was already in Australia when everything went down. I think so. I think so. Maybe she got lucky and had a female pilot. Sure. But even, but like I said, even so, that's not that big of a deal for me. At least, like, the, the fishbone of it is... That him and Beth, they're in the relationship, rocky relationship. She's going to Australia, but I might have been in some remote area of Australia where she doesn't even find out. Mm-hmm. Like backpacking in Australia. Right, right. And it's 2002, so they don't get that information immediately sent to them like they would in 2021. Right. I, I, I'm with you. The only relationship one that, that really that kind of spoke to me was the, the, or in a good way, didn't speak to me, is the one with York's sister who's, who's having the affair with the ambulance driver. And yeah. she's just going to get away with murder because who's going to know? Yeah. You know, and I was like, okay, that's, that one was interesting. But overall, I just want to say about the, the episode. See, I really, 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 really like the episode. And I'm starting to find out that I'm in the minority on this, I think. 
But the whole way that it was set up to be like, all right, here's three weeks ago or three weeks after, I'm sorry. So we like, we look around, something horrible has happened. And then we cut back to the day before and I like, I'm waiting for it. You know what I mean? With every little drop of like, here's an animal, here's a, here's a horse to the, to what really bothered me was the dog vomiting blood. I was like, Whoa, like, okay, that bothers me. But then every little thing I was like, is this it? Is this the moment? And then there was the moment where she's like, the, the congressman was like, oh, you got to drop a blood on your nose, Mr. President. He's like, I'm fine. And then it just happens. And I'm like, all right, I think you did a good job, a really good job of showing us what was going to happen and then make us like, when is it? I don't know. I really like that kind of the feel of it, if you will. I'm with you. I don't want you to give, I don't want to give the impression that I didn't like this. I liked it. I just got a lot of questions. I got a lot of concerns. I got a lot of, like I said, reading the book 2002 to whenever it ended and looking at it with 2021 eyes is just going to be like, okay, I got to figure this out. How are they going to get around this? How are they going to explain this? Um, I like it. I'm hoping, you know, we get some clarification, a lot of this stuff to fit it into today's day and age. Right. And who knows? Like you said, the next two episodes might have all that. And maybe that's why they put them out like that. Remember when they put out WandaVision? And yeah. it was like the whole episode was black and white. And they were like, people aren't going to you know, understand this. So let's get the second episode out there. Because that's the only uh, Disney Plus one that they've ever done with the Marvel like uh, to, to do two episodes. So maybe they're like, ah, this doesn't make sense unless you watch the three episodes. So we'll give them that. And then now we'll release them one by one. So we'll see. So with that being said, unfortunately, because they did put out three episodes at once, I think we're going to be consistently behind on this. Okay. Um, I'm going to do my best to watch those next three between now and then, but I cannot make you, the listeners, or you, Todd, any guarantees. I know. So uh, we'll have to discuss when, when we're off yep. mic about that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to watching it ne uh, the next episode to see what happens next. Right. So I think that's everything for this week, huh? I think so. All right, everyone. Thanks for bearing with us. Uh, episode 572 of Longbox Heroes wrapped up. <laughs> See you next week. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. If you see that sign, heed no mind. There's no room that says scoundrels. Boom. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.